He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's Post-Life Crisis. Welcome to John's Post-Life Crisis. I am your host, John Johnston, founder and manager of CornNation.com. Your Nebraska's Cornhusker site of much concern. Today we have we are joined by Andy Staples, who is uh, one of the best college football pundits in the nation, writes for The Athletic, has his own show on Sirius XM. And we're going to ask, start out with, uh, what is going on, Andy? All we wanted to do was play football, and now everybody's mad at Nebraska. What's the deal? Uh, it sounds like everybody in Nebraska is mad at the Big Ten. So it sounds like everybody's just mad. I think, you know, the, the mad at Nebraska part comes from them sort of breaking with the league on a decision. And, and you know, because all these decisions, when conferences make them, they, they want to act like they're unanimous. And we know they're not actually unanimous, but usually there isn't as much vocal opposition. And so, you know, when Scott Frost came out on Monday and, and said what he said, First of all, you know that's not just Scott Frost sentiment. You know that's coming from above, and, and that, that's approved at the, at the chancellor level or maybe system president level before he even lets that come out of his mouth. And then you get the, the response after the Big Ten decided to postpone football that Nebraska, you know, they, they said they would explore all their options. I think everybody knew that they're not going to actually do anything to, to disrupt their membership in the Big Ten, but – the Big Ten's not used to that sort of response. Usually it's, it's very stoic and measured, and, and they don't get that much pushback from their schools, at least not publicly. But the difference is there's a new commissioner in the Big Ten. I mean, Kevin Warren's only been on the job for, for eight months or seven months now, and, uh, and Jim Delaney is retired. So things are a little different. Communication's different. And you know, I don't blame Nebraska. I don't blame Ohio State. I know Iowa had some issues with the way things were done. I don't blame them saying it because there's some questions that the Big Ten probably should have answered before they decided to postpone. And I'm not sure they, they haven't they given a satisfactory answer yet. I mean, one of them is the, the spring season thing, which is you know, clearly they hadn't put much thought into it. I mean, Ryan Day came out with his idea for a spring season on Wednesday. Jeff Brom came out with his on Thursday. But, you know, those two coaches – are the first two to, to say anything. Shouldn't you have a plan in place or at least a few different plans to pick from before you decide to punt on the fall on August 11th when you still had three weeks or so to really decide? Ryan Day basically and Ohio State basically came out and said the same exact thing in so many words that Scott Frost did in, in our, my university, Nebraska. Yeah. He got a completely different reaction. Because Gene Smith didn't say the same thing. You know, the, the, the statement from Nebraska was signed by the system president, the chancellor, the AD, and the head football coach. Ryan Day got mad. Gene Smith, on Tuesday when all that happened, you had the resigned acceptance from him. Hey, well, whatever happens, it, you know, we're in the Big Ten. We're just going to do it. And – so he wasn't talking about exploring options. The exploring options part didn't come back again until Ryan Day said it the next morning. And he said, oh, I talked to Gene Smith about it this morning. And Gene Smith very quickly puts out a statement, no, 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 we're not doing anything else. We're in the Big Ten. So I think a lot of that is the difference between being in a conference for 100 years and being in a conference for 
for nine years. So do you really, I mean, do you really think it comes down to that? Nebraska is still getting accustomed to the Big Ten after 10 years? Well, I think they're the new guys. And, and also they, they came from a league, well, two different leagues where they were, they were a Bigfoot type team. Now, it wasn't completely like that in the Big 12. It was more like Nebraska versus Texas half the time. But the Big Eight, you know, Nebraska and Oklahoma had a lot of sway over everything. And this is a case where Nebraska has juice, but not when Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, you know, all Iowa, those guys were on the other side because those guys have plenty of power in college sports too. So they, they can't – one is not going to be able to boss around the others in the Big Ten. And I think the Big Ten is just used to a different level, a different kind of discourse. They're not used to airing dirty laundry in public. And I think, I think that was one of the things that probably – set the old line Big Ten folks off was, hey, you're, you're supposed to do this behind the scenes. All these arguments are supposed to put, take place in front of no one. And this was taking place very publicly. And it was interesting because I, yeah, I was surprised at the number of Nebraska fans that said, hey, let's get out of here. Let's go back to the Big 12. I mean, that, you don't want to do that. You, you got out of the Big 12 for a reason. Like that divorce happened for a reason. So you know, you don't want to walk that back down the aisle there. And, and look, you're not going to find a better financial deal than the Big Ten. You're not going to find a better stability deal than the Big Ten. And I think, obviously, Nebraska's administration knows that. I, I just think a lot of this was a case of frustration, blowing off steam, letting your fan base know that you are frustrated and you feel the same way they do. I think, you know, and, and, and that's what, if I'm the chancellor and I'm talking to, to Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, I say, look, hey, a lot of that was, was to show our constituents that we are just as hurt as they are, that this is going on and that this matters to us as much as, as it matters to you. And so if we came off as harsh, we're sorry, but we wanted to send a message to the people who care about us. Hey, Nebraska fans, I don't, I like the Big Ten. I like being in the Big Ten. It is a tougher conference than way, you know, what I grew up with during my entire life in the Big Eight, Big 12. But I think we miss winning is what we really miss. So but it's not, let's go back to the Big 12. I don't think things, yeah, I was going to say, things wouldn't be any different in the Big 12 from that standpoint. I mean, if, if the same fire Bo Pelini, hire Mike Riley decisions had been made, it's not like anything would be any different in a different league. We'd still suck. <laughs> yeah, suck is a strong word. No. I, don't, I, I don't feel that way. I, it's not quite that bad. I, I think they're, they can turn it around. I, I, don't, I don't think it's a, a case of that. But, you know, I, and I find, I don't know, you deal with Nebraska fans on a daily basis, but I actually find that Nebraska fans are more realistic about Nebraska than most people think. I think people nationally think that Nebraska fans are just, oh, they, they want to get back to the 90s, and they think it's going to be like that, you know, again. I, the Nebraska fans I interact with, they seem pretty, you know, resigned to, okay, the world of college football has changed. It's probably not going to happen where the, the early to mid-90s dominance happens again. But there's no reason Nebraska can't have the same kind of success profile as, say, Wisconsin. I think that's a, that's a good model right there is a, a team that is in the hunt for the, the division title every single year that one of these years is going to win the division title and then win the conference and then be in the playoff. I, I think 
that's, that's the model that, that Nebraska could follow and could replicate. I don't think that's out of, out of the question. I don't think that's unrealistic. And I think, I think that would make people happy. I mean, it wouldn't be like the glory days, but it's just, that's just not going to happen. Well, let's go there. Scott Frost hasn't had the success that we expected or that, you know, every, it was pretty hypey, right? <laughs> Very. What, uh, what do you think, what is wrong or what did we do wrong in his first two seasons? What have we not fixed? I, I just think they got to get the roster better. I remember when they were courting Scott Frost, I was covering the, the UCF-USF game on Black Friday down in Orlando. And I forget, who was it that came? One of the, the Omaha World Herald or, or Lincoln Journal star writers was there. It might have been uh, Lee Barfnick was there. And was watching the UCF game and saying, oh, my God, I had no idea how much better athletes they had than Nebraska. And they do. They did. And that's UCF, and that's a team in the American. And the, the following year, I embedded with Troy the week that they played Nebraska. And it was interesting because – the Troy coaches had to go back and forth between Nebraska film and UCF film because they had, they needed the Nebraska film to look at the personnel, but the UCF film to look at the scheme. And when, when, so you'd see one play and what they do is they try to find similar plays that were run against both defenses, for example. And so you'd see the, the play that's run against Nebraska and you see the Nebraska players running around and then you'd see the play that's run against UCF and you see the UCF players running around. It's like, Oh my goodness the speed differential here is immense. And that's an American team. That's not an SEC team. You know, that's not an ACC team. That's a team in the American. So there was a lot of roster overhaul that Scott Frost needed to do. And that's not something that happens overnight. All right, let's go back to the pandemic, this bloody damn pandemic for a bit. <laughs> do you think anybody will be playing fall football? I don't know. It's a, it, I, I would have said – 0% chance when I woke up Tuesday morning. This was the day that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten ultimately canceled. Uh, we, we knew that was the direction they were probably going. I got up that morning, I figured they'd cancel, and we'd see a domino effect where eventually the ACC and then the Big 12 and, and ultimately the SEC would also cancel. And then the group of five leagues that are kind of waiting around on those decisions would then cancel. But that didn't happen. Yeah, I expected the SEC to respond the way they did. I was more surprised at the way the ACC and the Big 12 responded. But the longer it goes, the more I'll think there's a chance. But right now, I still, I still think there's a lot of logistical hurdles that they would need to jump through to get to a season. And, and a lot of that is what happens when the regular students come back to campus? What do the, the test results look like for them? Not, not for the players necessarily, but for the regular student bodies. And then can you keep – keep outbreaks from happening on teams that that's a part that, that hasn't been answered yet that probably can't be answered for a few weeks but that's also the reason for example if you, you listen to the SEC commissioner Greg Sankey he says well that's why we moved the, the start of the season to September 26th so we could watch that and see what happens he's never said they're definitely going to play he's always couched it in if conditions are okay then they'll play but I think we just have to watch and see what happens. I, I have a little more optimism that somebody might play today than I did on Tuesday, but that could all disappear with, with one crazy outbreak somewhere. And the, and the chances that we're going to play football in winter. Well, so I think if everybody cancels, I think there's a good chance that they figure out a way to, to try to play in the spring. 
Now, the, the, the one thing that nobody's answered in a satisfactory fashion is, do they, do they know it's going to be better in January than it is now? And, and we don't know. That's, that, that's an unanswerable question. But I don't mind them trying. I don't have a problem with them trying at all. But I think it, it's a weird dynamic where I think if they all cancel, they will all try very hard to come up with a, pl- a plausible way to play in the spring because there's a lot of money on the line. There's a lot of players who just want to play. And so I think if they all cancel, there will be a very concerted effort toward figuring that out. If they don't all cancel, if they, the six leagues that, that right now are, are still trying to play in the fall, if they wind up playing a full season in the fall, I think it makes it harder on the other four to try to play in the spring. I think that, that then becomes a very weird situation where people will be like, well, I guess, I mean, they already just played this season. Why do we need to play a season now? Uh, and, and I realize in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, that's, that's not going to be a satisfactory statement. It's going to be, no, we didn't play our season. We need to get our season in. But just for the, the casual fan, it's going to be a little bit different. And then uh, they are going to have the issues of the players who are eligible for the draft, how many of them opt out. You're, you've already seen players that are potentially very high draft picks opting out of the fall season. So I, I don't, I don't know how many would be willing to play in the spring. Ryan day wants to play like January 1st because he wants to have a chance to have Justin Fields play quarterback and, and Sean Wade play cornerback. But uh, that, that may not happen. <laughs> that mean they may not agree on that. Jeff Brom would, would like them to start a little bit later and, you know, he's already lost Rondell Moore. So for him, it didn't matter if they played in the fall or the spring, he wasn't going to have his best player. So this is going to be the kind of the, the dynamic going forward is how many other people cancel. And, and my thing is if one or two more cancel, they're all going to cancel. So if they're all in the same boat, I think there's a good chance of a spring season. If they're not, it's going to be a little tricky. Do you, if they can't play this fall and for some reason can't play again in the spring, I mean, we're going to see like extinction of athletic departments across the nation. Don't you think? And at the lower levels, yeah, it's gonna, it's, it's gonna, it's not gonna be pretty. Lots of sports will get cut. Even at the high levels, at the power five levels, you're gonna see a lot of employees furloughed and laid off, and uh, departments will get gutted. I mean, you're talking about a loss of, you know, for Nebraska, they talk about eighty to one hundred twenty million dollars in revenue. They're not kidding about that. That's that's what Nebraska football brings in. Now, a lot of these schools have reserves, and they're gonna, they'll tap their reserves, and they'll try to try to make it as soft as possible for everybody. But the fact of the matter is nobody has a reserve big enough to make this not hurt. It's going to hurt no matter what happens. I interviewed an economist from Creighton university, like, I don't know, two episodes ago, $300 million impact to the area of Lincoln, Nebraska. And there are college towns all over America. Uh, That's a kind of a bloodbath even in the fall, isn't it? I live in Gainesville, Florida. There will not be a hotel in this city that turns a profit this year. There, there probably won't be a restaurant in this city that turns a profit this year because they live for those seven home games. And even if Florida plays, don't know how many fans are going to be in the stands. I, I doubt it would be very many. I, I maybe one fifth capacity, if that. So all the things that, that those communities rely on in, in terms of economic drivers are getting taken away for this year. And that's, probably if they play or not, because are you going to be able to have a full stadium? If you're not, then a lot of the things that, that you would make the money on in town still aren't going to make that money. 
And that I didn't even bring up media. I mean, guys, the, you know, I've stood next to a lot of photographers on sidelines and I keep wondering what's going to happen to those guys. I mean, they're, they were oh, already under stress anyway, but. Oh, a lot of the people who, who get paid by assignment are in deep trouble right now. They're, they're in the same boat as a lot of the restaurant industry and a lot of the other industries that have been really harmed by, by the pandemic. And uh, there's a lot of people struggling right now. I've been very fortunate to, to have the job at the athletic where they've said, listen, we, we understand that, things are not good right now, but we expect college football to be back and expect to need to have to write about it. So that's, <laughs> my daughter says hi. Um, but, but that is, uh, that's one of those things that everybody in America is dealing with that right now. And I just, it's going to stink for, for the people in those athletic departments when, if, if they can't play, because you know, we, we talk about the coaching salaries and the AD salaries, but, the thing is, those people will still keep their jobs. They'll, they'll have their pay cut, but they'll still keep their jobs. They'll still be making a decent amount of money. There's a lot of five-figure people in those athletic departments, the ones that actually keep the, the lights going and, and, and the place running, who are just trying to put food on the table, and they're not going to have jobs, or they're going to be furloughed for a long time and have to try to figure out what to do between now and then. It's, it's a pretty nasty situation. All right. One more question. What, I wanted to ask, is Scott Frost the right coach for this program? You probably answered that about 400,000 times, right? I, I, I think he is. Uh, you know, look, I think he, he understands the program really well. I mean, you, you look at he understands the value of the walk-on program. He's obviously been a player in the program, so he knows what it looked like and how it was operated when it worked at its best. But I think he also understands the, the challenges of, of running it now. He's been in a place where, as an assistant to Oregon where, look, there's not a ton of talent near Eugene, Oregon. They figured out how to get people there. They figured out how to, how to create a brand that people wanted to come play for. So it's not out of the question that Nebraska can be successful under Scott Frost. I, I, I think just because it hasn't happened as quickly as people want doesn't necessarily mean it can't happen. I, I think a lot of it is people don't understand the situation he walked into at UCF because you look at it and you say, oh, he took over a team that was 0-12, they go 6-7, and and then the next year they're undefeated. Well, he's obviously a miracle worker, so what happened that was different here? Well, no, he's not a miracle worker. The team he took over at UCF was loaded. They went 0-12 because they mutinied against a coach they didn't like. You know, George O'Leary was, was not, the, not always the cuddliest guy. And so in his last year, they basically checked out on him. And so that was the reason they went over. It wasn't because they stunk or they had a bad roster. They had Shaquem Griffin sitting there as like a third team safety. He wasn't even sniffing the field. He was the best linebacker in the country his senior year. Like, that's the thing that, that people understand. Scott Frost took over a loaded roster at UCF and then – got it better very quickly. So I think Nebraska was a harder job, not just because of the roster he took over, but also because the league's harder. I would say the division got harder almost simultaneously as him coming in. That's, you know, look, Illinois got better last year. Uh, Purdue was getting better. As soon as they, they hired Jeff Brown, they started getting better. Minnesota has clearly gotten a lot better under P.J. Fleck. Wisconsin is Wisconsin. Northwestern has always overachieved under Pat Fitzgerald. You know, you look at that, 
we joked about the Big Ten West, but the Big Ten West is not what it was three, four years ago. The Big Ten West is a much tougher division now than it was. And I think the fact that, you know, Frost came in with all these high expectations at the same time that everything, uh, the, the kind of all the boats were rising in the, in the division made it even tougher to get better fast. And that's why last year when, when they were picking them to win the division before the season started, I was like, why? What, what information have you gotten that suggests these guys are going to be that different this year than they were last year? And, you know, especially given the fact that Wisconsin had a down year and, and they don't do down years very often. So you figured they'd be back. And then uh, it was a down year for Northwestern, which they don't have down years very often. So I, that's the thing. Now you've got, if they can play, Northwest, let's say they play in the spring, Northwestern will be very much improved over last season. Wisconsin will still be very good. Minnesota's going to be good as long as P.J. Flex there. I know people don't like his style, and they think he's, he's kind of a car salesman. But guess what? He gets results everywhere he's been, and he does it through recruiting. It's not, there's nothing fancy, flashy. He's not Jedi mind tricking these guys. He is evaluating very well, signing really good football players, and developing them. And he did it at Western Michigan. He's doing it at, at Minnesota. So Scott Frost's job is a lot harder than people thought it was when he got hired. I think, I think people are starting to appreciate that now. Okay. I said one more question, didn't I? Yeah, you can do one more. Okay. The rift between Big Ten and Nebraska, and let's say some national pundits or people writing, people on Twitter, blah, blah. Is, that, is this just an attention span thing? Is it going to go away? Do you see it, it causing any long-term problems? Not as long as, the, as it's not an issue every time the Big Ten makes a decision. If, the, if Nebraska – is on the short end of the decision every time and gets mad about it every single time, then it's going to be just like they were back in the big 12. I mean, as, as someone at Nebraska told me a long time ago about the, the Nebraska and the big 12, there were a lot of 11 to one votes. Uh, you, you don't want to be on the, the business end of, of a bunch of 13 to one votes. I mean, this, this is different because Ohio state was clearly on their side. Iowa was clearly on their side. In, in this situation. And it was a very heated situation. It was probably the most consequential vote that Nebraska is going to have as a big 10 member. I mean, it may be, it may be the most consequential vote they have as a big 10 member if they're in the league a hundred years. So it's okay to have a very emotional response to this, to this stuff. And as long as in the future, when there are disagreements, they, they handle it the way the big 10 expects it handled behind closed doors and, and respectfully, then I don't think there's going to be a problem. And, and I don't think Nebraska wants to make that a problem. I think, you know, people don't get how nice prosperity and security are. And the big 10 is prosperity and security as much as you can have it in college sports. Uh, we've seen that sometimes it doesn't matter during the pandemic, but as close as you can get to, to complete, security you have it in the big 10 so i i think they're going to be okay i called kevin warren bad names on twitter i should probably delete those huh <laughs> think about it. okay i i don't think kevin warren has answered questions very well during this stretch i i, I think like when dave refson asked him was the vote unanimous the dodging was just incredible when you could have just said i think it's pretty obvious it wasn't unanimous this is a very passionate thing it is what it is. But 
imagine you just got this job six months ago and then the world gets thrown into something it's never that nobody's ever seen before none of us were alive in 1918 for spanish flu so now you have to deal with this completely unprecedented thing and you got to figure out what to do when there's no guidebook no precedent no nothing so I say we give Kevin Warren a little bit of a break. <laughs> Criticize him, fine, for the way that he's answered questions through this. But let's not completely throw out the Kevin Warren commissioner era after seven months because of this. I, I, this is, remember, there were at least 11 Big Ten schools that, that agreed in this situation. So it wasn't like Kevin Warren was trying to buck a trend or trying to, to harm one school or another. He's just trying to lead the conference. And there's some people with very strong ideas going both directions that he's trying to manage. So I don't, I don't say this to completely absolve him because I do think this could have been handled better. I think the big 10 deciding to go conference only on July 9th could have been handled differently where maybe it doesn't touch off on every league for itself kind of situation, which it did. I think it, it would have helped had they been a little more collegial with the other power five leagues, because those five moving together would have been better than what's going on now. But again, nobody knows how to handle this. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to completely trash the guy who is doing the best he can at the job he just got. Uh Basically, mercy and grace should rule the day when it comes to our decision makers, and I should delete my tweets or maybe be a little nicer on Twitter. Just, just, just try to put yourself in their shoes for a minute. And, and I, listen, I, I have been very critical of people in charge of college sports for a long time about a, a number of different things. But the one thing I, I've thought about a lot through this thing is I am glad I'm not them right now because nobody knows what the right decisions are. And – only time is going to prove who was right and who was wrong. And a lot of it is just guessing. So it's not a great place to be. It's a good paycheck to get, but it's, it's a pretty tough set of decisions you got to make. All right. We'll end there. Thank you, Andy Staples, for joining me and taking the time. Uh, this has been John's Post-Life Crisis. Thanks for listening. Remember mercy and grace and go Big Red. <laughs>